you're listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times, or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 13 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm so excited to share my guest with you today, Diana Madison, who I just always call Di. Di is the owner of Snorkel's Way Adaptive Dog Training from the Frederick, Maryland area. But before we get started with the interview, I wanted to take a moment to invite you to the Pandemic Pets Daily Gratitude Challenge Facebook group. I've been thinking about how, if it wasn't for my dogs, I'd be having a much harder time during this whole pandemic COVID-19 quarantine situation. But because I get to spend so much extra time with my dogs, I feel like I have all these little moments of happiness and joy that I wouldn't usually have because I'd usually be at work and not being able to watch my dogs nap in the sunbeams on the floor or break in the new dog bed. So the last few weeks, that's what I've been trying to focus on is just finding at least one moment a day that I'm grateful for or that maybe I wouldn't have been able to enjoy this moment if the world was back to quote unquote normal. I've been through hard times before that I've even talked about on the podcast and the love of my dogs was able to help me get through those hard times. So I'm going to trust that the dogs can get me through this hard time too. So I created this Facebook group, the Pandemic Pets Daily Gratitude Challenge to be a place where All pet owners, not even just dog owners, but all pet owners can share a photo or a video or even just write a memory of something funny or something happy that happened that day that they're grateful for. Plus, you'll not only get to see pictures of my dogs, Penny and Nino, but several of our previous podcast guests are active in the group and are sharing photos from their dogs as well. It's been lots of fun, and I'm so appreciative of all the people who have been taking the time to show up and post their photos every day. And even if you don't want to commit to sharing one photo a day, I think you'll still appreciate joining the group and getting to see lots of adorable, cute pet pictures every day. I'm also putting the finishing touches on a free gift for listeners, and members of the group will also be the first ones to get the opportunity to download the free gift. So I will put a link in the show notes to the Pandemic Pets Daily Gratitude Challenge Facebook group, and I hope that I will see you and your adorable pet photos there. So as I mentioned, today's guest is Diana Madison. I met Di back in 2009 through volunteering with Be More Dog. We actually don't talk a lot about our volunteering time together in our interview, but I did want to mention that Di was a total rock star when I was volunteering with her. She was instrumental in helping us get our Be More Dog wellness clinics started and off the ground. And she was also instrumental in helping us with our breed-specific law issues that we dealt with here in Maryland from 2012 to 2014. Di played many other roles as well, from helping us get silent auction items to planning fundraising events. And she was definitely missed when she moved out to Frederick and it just became too much of a haul for her to come into Baltimore all the time for volunteering. But now let me tell you a little more about what we did talk about in our interview today. Di tells us about growing up with an outside dog during her childhood in the 1970s in West Virginia. Then she tells us about her first dog that she adopted as an adult, who actually then went on to kind of play an important role in her father's life later on. Di then met her husband Bob, and he came along with a dog named Mel. But it was Snorkel who really crashed into Di's life and kind of changed things forever. If it wasn't for Snorkel, there's a lot of experiences that Di wouldn't have had and a lot of people that Di wouldn't have met, like me. We talk about how Di got started with her dog training business, how her dogs Juji and Scuttlebutt joined her life, 
and all of the cool things that she's doing with Juji and Scuttlebutt right now, including a top secret project that she can't tell us a whole lot of details about. And we talk about what amazing teachers our dogs can be if we're open to learning the lessons. Dai is seriously one of the most genuine, authentic, sweetest people that I've ever met. She's so much fun. She does amazing things with her dogs, and I hope you have as much fun listening to this interview as I did. So let's get started. So I am here today with Diana Madison of Snorkel's Way Dog Training. Hi, Dai. Hey there. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Well, thank you for inviting me to do this awesome podcast that you have. So I always like to start at the beginning. So will you tell us about your childhood experience with dogs? So I'm a little older and... Oh, stop. (laughs) And kind of where I grew up was a blue-collar town, so most of the dogs that people had were kept outside. They were outside dogs. And my first dogs, her name was Mitzi. And we kept her outside. She had a little dog house, I guess, like put in the garage where she could go into the garage with the dog house there. But she was kept outside. We did bring her in when there was really bad weather, but my dad really didn't want an inside dog. You know, and we fed her table scraps because that's what you did back then. And she was a great dog. And she actually lived to be about 15 or 16 years old. She was a cute little thing. Did you do any training or anything with her? Training? Didn't know what training was back then. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm sure she didn't even get to, you know, we didn't even take dogs for walks. So we didn't even have a leash for her. So training back then, probably, gosh, I don't even want to say it was an option back then. So no, unfortunately. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it is pretty wild. Like when you talk to people, like their dogs growing up are so much different than our dogs that we own, our personal dogs that we own now. I mean, gosh, my dogs I own now have a better probably life than I did as a kid. (laughs) That's not true, but they are very pampered. Um, In fact, I bet a lot of people can relate with that. (laughs) Absolutely. So yeah, it was just a different, different time, different expectation. And, you know, we just treated dogs. Gosh, I hate to say it like dogs back then, but I will say that, that Mitzi wasn't, an unhappy dog either. She had a good life despite being stuck outside. And, and it was a time where I guess as kids growing up, we weren't involved in a lot of stuff. So I was home a lot and could spend time with her out in the yard and everything. So it wasn't like nowadays where the kids are going on sports and they're never home and, and not being able to spend time with their their pets. It was just a different time back then. No, I get it. I get it. Um, my husband, you know, has kind of similar experiences from his childhood. So yeah. uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And then did you always know that when you got out on your own that you wanted to have a dog? So when I moved to Maryland, a few, uh, probably about five to seven years after me being down here on my own, I got the the dog bug, I'll call it. So I decided I had, I had bought my first townhouse and I decided, well, I'm a, I'm a homeowner. I can, I can have a dog now. And I was in my twenties, early twenties. And I went to the Maryland SPCA and never knew what I was getting. I had no idea what I was doing. And I showed up and at the time I wanted a puppy and there were people in line behind me ready to go adopt dogs. And I can remember walking through the kennel and I started to cry walking through the kennels because I was walking past all these adult dogs and no one was looking at them. And, and I wasn't either. I was, I was feeling guilty, but I really wanted a puppy as my first dog. And when I got back to, I guess, like the 
I don't even know what they called it back, you know, nursery where the puppies were. There was somebody behind, some guy behind me going, do you want that dog? Do you want that dog? And I was kind of like, well, uh, uh, yes. And I just scooped up the puppy and went to the front desk. It was the weirdest thing. And I said, this is the one. And they were like, okay. And they were like, well, do you, do you, you know, we were filling out the paperwork and the woman had asked, do you know what you want to name her? And I was like, yes. And they were like, really, what, what do you want to name her? And I was like, Shasta. And they were like, uh, this dog was meant to be yours. And I was like, what do you mean? And she turned around the paperwork and they had actually named her Shasta. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so the puppy I was adopting was Shasta. So yeah, she turned out to be this little terrier type puppy. And, um, I had had her for a few years and again, I was in my early twenties and having a good time and, and kind of going out and partying. So she did kind of, uh, adjust my lifestyle. And I had went on a vacation with a friend over to Europe and my parents watched Shasta for me. And when I got back, they asked if they could keep her because they were <laughs> enjoying her so much. Aww. And, uh, and at the time I was kind of like, Oh, sure. So, you know, I still got to see her. I still went back to visit them all the time. So it wasn't like I was giving up a dog, but they got a lot of enjoyment out of her. And my dad, who never wanted an inside dog, this dog ended up being his queen. Aww. She could do no wrong and everything. So it all turned out well, but that was my first kind of delve into my own, my own dog. And then you met Bob met Bob. And when I met Bob, he had an Australian shepherd, young Australian shepherd named Mel. And Mel was a big, big boy. He was, he was a terror growing, you know, when, <laughs> cause, cause again, training wasn't part of our vocabulary back then. And apparently before I met Bob in like the first year he had Mel, um, he lived in Patterson Park and Mel, he ended up ripping up the kitchen floor. He remodeled uh, Bob's kitchen, but you know, Mel lived to be almost 17 years old wow. for an Australian shepherd, which is kind of unheard of, but he was around for a long time. He had a great life. We might've done one or two tricks with him. He did go on walks, so he was leash trained, but nowhere to the to the level of what I would say training a dog is now. And uh, gosh, I want to say we lost Mel. It's been probably over 10, 10 to 12 years now Mel's been gone. And then as Bob swore he would never own another dog after Mel because of the... <laughs> The pain that we all know that we go through and how devastating it is, but we also know how quiet it is and how much you, you know, you miss their presence. Right. So two weeks later he was online <laughs> and that's when pet finder first came out. So he was, he was online looking for some, for, for some other dogs. And he is the one that suggested we get a pit bull believe it or not. And, uh, I wasn't sure. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Those dogs need help. There's a lot of them. I like to help the underdog. Let's do it. And I was kind of like, okay, let's do it. Uh, not knowing what I was getting myself into. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cause that's how we met. Exactly. But we, um, we went and saw a few, and it's funny, you don't always make a connection with the dog right away, but sometimes you do as well. It, it, it can go either way. And Snorkel was at Howard County Animal Control. She was about four months old, and I think they returned her because she was a bit too rambunctious for their children. And I can remember going into the visitation room, and, you know, and then there they had like, the big Rubbermaid buckets of toys and that were up on like these wired shelves and 
different chairs and everything. And I can remember her going in there and she was just this ball of energy. And at one point she gets up on the chair and she jumps into the, that rubber made thing and completely disappears in the toys. And I'm like, Oh, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> that sounds like a snorkel move. <laughs> and um, yeah, I have this knack of getting those dogs, those kind of like rambunctious dogs. And uh, I was kind of like, okay, well, I guess we're going to do this. And Bob's like, let's do it. And I was like, okay. And off she came. And um, she was... She was my heart dog, and she taught me a lot about myself, and that's how I got into training. When I realized that training a dog was important because I wanted to have the best pit bull ever, and there's a, a lot to be told about Snorkel. She was a character, you know, and like I said, I learned a lot from her, and that's how I got involved with Be More Dog, and she basically changed the course of the course of who oh, I'm going to start crying. Oh, <laughs> the course of my life. So anyways, I know. And that's why, because, because I saw like this awesome, beautiful relationship that you had with snorkel and how having her led you into training. It led you into pit bull advocacy. It introduced us, you know, yeah. and all of these like awesome people that we have in our lives now that we wouldn't have if we hadn't adopted these dogs. And uh yeah. That was why like when I started this podcast, I was like <laughs> we have to talk because like you like you know, while our stories are not exactly the same, these dogs have had the same effect in our lives of just totally like changing our lives, taking us out of our comfort zone and opening like this whole other world to us that we didn't even know. And, but that we love. <laughs> it, they do. It's, it's, it's incredible to think that an animal can, can have such a profound impact on your life. And just not in your relationship with them, but like you said, with, I, I can't imagine all the people I wouldn't have in my life right now if it wasn't for her. I mean, cause that, that's most of my world anymore is because of her and, you know, getting involved in, in all the stuff that kind of goes around dogs and people and, you know, just, and even like you said, taking us out of our comfort zone and just learning so much about people in community. It's not even about me. It's about looking at people and realizing that just because we come from different backgrounds and economically, racially, whatever, we all love our dogs the same way. And I think we tend to forget that. And I think the dogs are there to remind us that you know, everybody cares for their dog. It's just not you. It's people really love their animals. Absolutely. So when I met you and, and you had your girl Snorkel, who, by the way, she was just the most adorable dog. She was kind of like a dark brindle and she had that underbite <laughs> that was just the like sweetest thing ever. <laughs> and yet she was like this personality and this like force to be reckoned with. And you guys would did um, like rally obedience, right? Yeah, we did. Is that the first kind of like competitive thing that you did? Probably. So, you know, I, I, I started with a local trainer and learned a lot from her. And she helped me with Snorkel and getting her to be a, a good dog out in public. Snorks could be... She never started anything with other dogs, but if somebody would come up to her and bully her, she would bring it full force. So I had to learn how to manage that and manage other dogs around her. But we got into rally because I think it's always good to have a dog involved in something. And rally definitely helps you build the bond with your dog. And it's a lot of fun. It's different from obedience, like AKC 
obedience ring because in rally you can talk to your dog you can treat your dog at certain spots in the the trial that you're doing like you know there's there's signs that you go to and you perform a, a function in each sign and then afterwards you can give your dog a treat uh you can't drop it because then you're disqualified <laughs> which I found out, um, which we were disqualified sometimes. And, and it's always the owner's fault in the ring too. You're the one that always messes up, but she excelled in it. She loved to do it. It was so much fun. I swear this dog loved to perform. I remember. I can remember one time though. So poor Snorks, she got stung. I don't know what it was, but a couple times in her nether region oh. by some bees. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So she was always petrified of any flying objects. Like she would freeze and be like, oh. So one time we're in the ring here in Frederick at a local dog club. And sure enough, there comes a buzzing fly. And Snorkel literally freezes in the middle of one of these runs, a competition. And I'm like, uh, and the judge looks at me. She's like, what's the matter? I'm like, she's been stung before. And she's like, oh, and I literally, you know, we were basically disqualified at that point because she just stood there frozen. Like, I, I, I can't move. I'm going to get stung. <laughs> and um, so we had to run her out and we got, we finally got her to move and everything. But anyways, that was a little sidebar, but yeah, so she <laughs> went pretty far in rally. She there's different levels and she went to level three, which was off leash. So she could be in the ring off leash doing, doing commands and everything. And we actually had done some demonstrations with the local trainer at some of these, like at the pet expo up in Timonium. So we did, we did a few of those with her. And then I ended up teaching rally um, for this local trainer for a couple of years and I could take snorkel in and she would sit in a chair and watch why we would, why I'd have class and everything. So she, she was pretty good in that sense. And, you know, here at home we have trails and she used to love to ride the ATV. I was going to mention like you guys. So first of all, your husband is like an extremely talented photographer. Like that's not his day job or anything, but like right. it's a hobby of his. And so you have some of like the most awesome photos and some of my favorite photos of her are like you had the motorcycle sidecar oh yeah 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 or in the atv and when you'd have her in the sidecar she had like the the doggles the goggles and, on yeah yes. oh my gosh you guys just have some do some of the most fun things with your dogs like i said i treat my dogs differently now they have a pretty good life oh <laughs> and she would but she you know my dogs now will actually ride the atv with us but snorkel would actually go outside and just sit in it. The one day we had it out and we were working in the yard and it was like, where'd she go? And she was just sitting ready to go. And, um, she, uh, she was a, she was a wild dog. And, um, and you guys also won a best kiss contest, I believe. Oh, I forgot about those. She was, <laughs> she, she was a, um, exuberant she was a first class liquor exuberant yes and we won at the baltimore humane society one year we won and then we won somewhere else too maybe it was barks i think it was barks the uh barktoberfest one year where my friend actually laid up on stage and she just mauled him it was pretty pretty bad and in <laughs> fact to her kissing abilities so my aunt my aunt who now has Alzheimer's, but my mom had brought her down before she, you know, right as she was starting to get a little bit, um, dementia and everything. But my aunt also had this thing about pit bulls, you know, that stigma of pit bulls and everything. So we were a little nervous. So my mom brought her down just to kind of get her out of the house down from, um, West Virginia. And my mom and I were in the back bedroom and we heard my aunt going, whoa, whoa. And we're like, oh my God, what is going on? Because Snorkel wasn't anywhere to be around. So we go running out to our living room and my aunt, I kid you not, is like pinned in this huge chair. Her glasses are sideways. 
she's laughing hysterically and snorkel is just slobbering all over her with her kisses <laughs> i love it it was the best thing ever and so finally we, we had to get her to stop but you know and and as i'm sure you guys know but you know as people with alzheimer's go they repeat themselves a lot so that became like the story for several months after with my aunt retelling the story of how she was mauled by the pit bull, not mauled, but you know how she was just kissed in a funny way of this pit bull. And so it was just so heartwarming. And she just, after that, that whole visit, like circle was her pal the entire time. It was, it was pretty cool. It's pretty Aww. neat. And then am I right in saying, and I think a lot of us who have pit bull dogs, like one of the reasons I guess that we feel like we have to have well-behaved dogs or do training is because there is a negative stigma and that we want our dogs to be like the good example. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've never been discriminated against. I've been very lucky. I, you know, uh, until I owned a pit bull type dog and then I, I got it. I started to understand what discrimination really is. And people judge a dog just by the way they look, just because of what they've maybe heard uh, or, or anything and just don't give the dogs a chance. And, you know, I always felt like I did. I had to go above and beyond to protect my dog and to not have people want to cross the street when I'm walking my dog on the park. I mean, it was very, it was very sad to be like, come on, you guys, you know, my dog is just as, as nice or, or friendly as your dog is. And just because she's a pit bull doesn't mean that something's going to happen. And, and that's why I got into training too, is to, to make sure that I was by the book and that, you know, I followed the rules. And so so are you okay if we talk about what happened with Snorkel? Uh, I'll probably end up crying. I'll try not to cry. Um, because sadly, she is not with us anymore. And I remember it from my side of it, just that I got a phone call one day and, and how old was she? She was only like six. She was only like five or six. Yeah. I mean, Cause we, she was between five and six and, um, we had got another dog Riff Raff who was still with us a year after we got snorkel to kind of have two dogs and, and her and Riff were, gosh, they were best buds. They, that, those two dogs could, could, play tug with a piece of felt that was an inch long. <laughs> Lucy and Kalua were like that. It was, it was so, it was so weird. I mean, they could do anything together and just their tolerance level of the two of them was incredible. I don't have that now with my dogs, <laughs> um, unfortunately, but yeah, they were, they were out playing and we were down in, uh, we taken one of our hikes like I do all the time, even like today. And she, they were chasing each other, playing a game of um, chase. And she literally, I, I don't, I thought she got stuck like on a piece of barbed wire fence or something. Like she got tangled. Um, and from what I know now, you know, you learn so much more as you, um, as you own dogs, but might've been like a seizure type thing. Uh, I've been fortunate not to really ha see a dog have a seizure, but I think it was that. And she fell over in the middle of uh, the woods. And I think she died right then. Um, and we had to get her out of the woods. Um, I tried CPR We rushed her to the ER and, you know, by that point, it was probably a half hour, 45 minutes and they couldn't do anything to save her. So, uh, I remember getting a phone call from you 
and you're crying and you just said we lost snorkel and because she was only so young yeah. I thought you meant that, like, you couldn't oh, find her. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> because you guys have, like, those woods. And, yeah, right. I thought, like, you lost her. Right, that she had gone missing. Right. And, like, you, like, just, like, and I'm, like, thinking, well, she'll come back, you know. Like, she'll find her way back. She's a <laughs> we'll dog, you know. And right. you're crying, and you can't even tell me. And I'm, like, not getting it. And then I'm, like, oh, shit, oh, shit you know. I, I mean, it was so unbelievable because – both of my girls, Lucy and Kalua, were both sick at that time. They were both older. They both had cancer. And yet I'm getting the call that snorkels. And I'm like, this like does not compute, you know? Like this I like it just didn't even make sense to me. It didn't make sense. No. And like it was so tragic. And then, you know, it's like the only way I could ever just make sense of it is just that like you know, like the stars that burn brightest, you know. You know, she wouldn't have made a good old dog. If she would have been a human being, she would have been one of those, like, skydivers. <laughs> All those free, adventurous-type people, a lot of them die early deaths because that's just the way it was meant to be, kind of. Like, they wouldn't be happy. And I don't think she would have been happy growing old you know it's like she went out on her terms like she went out she running did. in the woods she loved she, with the people that she loved the yes. dog she loved the place she loved you know yes not that i want to die i don't want to die for the for the record but if i'm gonna go i want to go out like her because i'm telling you it was like you said she went out on her own terms and she was happy and she was running and they were playing and and i don't know if it was her heart that gave out or if she had like a an aneurysm if dogs can have aneurysms and who knows what it was but yeah she went on her own terms it's like they're always teaching us lessons sometimes we don't want to learn those lessons sometimes but... we don't exactly and then and you guys by the way i just always think you guys have the best dog names <laughs> Because after Snorkel, you guys adopted Juji, but that's just her nickname. That's her nickname. Her full, oh, she just stuck her tongue out on me just now, too. <laughs> um, well, you know, that's thanks to Bob, because he's got to have special names. So Juji is Juji J. Funkinpuss. I love it. And she's another pity. <laughs> and she's a white and brindle pity. And she had kind of a crazy rescue story, right? Yeah, she came from Barks, and and she came in, and she had bite wounds on her, on her front legs. She was really skinny. She had had puppies at some point, and they found her in an abandoned row home in uh, Baltimore City. And I don't think she had bite wounds from from fighting. Um, you know, we could always make up all these kind of stories and everything, especially with adopted dogs. You, When you make up stories for adopted dogs, those stories tend to stay with them and you treat them differently. So I don't like to kind of say she has a story. So I honestly think she was just scrapping, you know, from being on her own. She's not the best socialized dog by far. Um, I still have some issues with her as far as her meeting other dogs. She kind of comes out like a bat out of hell and then wants to play with them after they won't kill her. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And I think she missed a, a, you know, a good portion of how to socialize, like the socialization period as a puppy. So her cues and the, the cues she gives off are not the, the best. So Barks, Barks had her and then Bella's, Bully Buddies pulled her from Barks. She was fostered by uh, my friend Anita. And we went to to see her at Anita's. And she was a crazy one as well, full of energy. And again, remember, I'm attracted to the ones that are full of energy. And she has not let me down <laughs> with her energy as well. So, yeah, so she's laying right in front of me right now. And she was a bit exuberant coming back to that word because riffraff was kind of lonely after snorkel died and the problem with juji is that you know her and riffraff got along 
great, except she was just too much for him. She wanted to play all the time. He's like, look, dude, Snarks played when I wanted to play. She didn't have to play all the time. So we got this bright idea. And by the way, average dog owners don't do this, is to adopt a dog six months after we got Juji. And it's a lot of work. We adopted Scuttlebutt. I love it. And Scuttlebutt is, she is, we got her DNA done. She's Amstaff. And then that's one side. And then the other half is Jack Russell Terrier slash Pug. Okay. Because she just basically looks like a miniature pit bull. Exactly. We call her a perpetual pit bull puppy. Um, <laughs> where Juji is about 40 pounds, Scuttlebutt is only 20 pounds. And uh, she's another one that is uh, full of energy as well. So I've got a lot of energetic dogs that keep me busy. Yeah, and you still have your old guy. Yeah, my old guy. And so after you had brought these two new dogs into your family, when was it that you decided to start your own training company? Oh, so I had probably after a year or so after I had Juji, because we had moved out here towards Frederick. We had had some land and I had been doing a lot of, training on my own just with Juji and going to, you know, continuing education classes, some seminars and stuff. And that's kind of probably right when I started to think about offering some trick classes. And I had actually um, partnered up with another local company for a little while. And we did trick classes on Saturday mornings. And I got certified as a trick dog trainer on my own through do more with your dog. So I could teach tricks in with that organization, you can get your trick titles without having to attend a trial anywhere. So you didn't have to, you know, so people, and they can still do that. Now I can still do that. Like if you're, if your dog knows tricks and they know a certain number of tricks and everything, you can get your titles like beginner, intermediate, advanced, and then there's like expert titles and everything. So you don't have to go compete against other people. It's just if you can do the trick without treats and adding distance and everything. So that's kind of actually what really kicked it off is that I got there and and we have property. So I wanted to focus more on like canine fitness, hiking with your dog out here, And I created, uh, we have a, right now we don't because of COVID, but um, on Sundays we have this uh, small class that does, it's called Sunday Fun Days. And we go for a hike, all of us go for a hike as a group. And then we come back and we do tricks and we play on backyard agility equipment and we work on some canine fitness equipment that I have. So in the beginning, I was really focused on just having fun with your dog because I think it's really important to have that connection. And we're so busy anymore that we forget that just doing something with your dog really helps solidify the bond with your dog. So that's kind of when I got into it. And you have like the ideal dog oasis property. (laughs) You have like these woods and trails and all this room and equipment. And I mean, it's literally like doggy heaven out there. You know, it is, it is pretty nice and we don't have anyone near us either. So, you know, we, we have three or four miles of trails we can hike. We have a stream they can play in, you know, the, the, the backyard agility equipment's fun. For the most part, we don't really have to be worried about other people bothering us out here. So if you have a reactive dog that just needs time and kind of needs to get used to being around other dogs, but in a controlled environment, it's a great place because you can you know, they don't have to see the dog, the other dog all the time. Um, and even for like hiking, a lot of my clients with their reactive dogs, they can come out and just hike with me on their own and get some peace of mind knowing that unleashed dog isn't going to run up on you and, you know, take away all the hard work that you've put into your dog without, with you know, not having to have it react and everything. So it's a, it's a, 
idyllic place out here is, like you said, for all the dogs. We have a pond too, but they can't swim in the pond because it's pretty, it's pretty nasty. <laughs> I was going to say, kind of gross a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of gross. Um, yeah, it's something that I really enjoy and it's peaceful and everything. And now I've actually, with the training, I've expanded into basic obedience and doing more stuff with the dog. So it's it's turned out to be a pretty nice nice thing, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm enjoying the clients, and I'm I love seeing you know the people that are are struggling with their dogs, and they come out, and we come up with a plan and follow through, and just to see the connection better with their dogs, and the, the obedience is better, and it's 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 pretty rewarding. I'm really enjoying it. And of course, you named your company Snorkel's Way Dog Training in honor of your girl. I did. She is, uh, well, again, like we, you know, like we had started out in the beginning, there's so many things that wouldn't exist if it weren't for her and, and me doing dog training would not have existed if it wasn't for her. And, um, you know, I, I had a corporate job for close to 20 years and, my boss had retired, so it was a good time to make a change. And um, that's kind of when I went full-time with the dog training business. And so we still do, I still do tricks class, um, but most of my stuff is is private lessons now with folks. And and even right now with the, the pandemic going on, we've kind of turned to doing stuff online. I think everyone's had to adjust their training. And I think when we all go back to some kind of normalcy, I think a lot of people are going to struggle with their dogs because we've been home so much with our dogs that right. when we do go back to work, it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be hard on them because we're, we've been around them so much, but yeah, so I'm doing a little bit of stuff virtually and I hope to have folks back out here shortly because I do miss them. I, I, I miss it a lot. Has being online changed any of the tricks that you're teaching and what kind of stuff are you teaching? Well, for the tricks class, it's actually been a lot of fun. You know, I have, I have two group, two classes I'm running right now and we do sessions on Facebook and then follow up with some YouTube videos and they share videos with me. And I mean, it's just, it's just fun tricks that you could show your friends, you know, simple ones as, as rollover and waving high and backing up. And, and it's a lot of the tricks that we, that, that I'm teaching that can be used towards getting a tricks title as well. A lot of stuff that, that we do, you'd want to show off to your friend. You can even learn how to have your dog fetch you a beer. Snorkel was great at that. Yes, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I love that. Yes, she was, um, in fact, she popped a beer can and actually used beer, real beer cans with her the one time. So I had to start putting a koozie on it so that she, when she would <laughs> grab it, she wouldn't pop the beer cans. So you can do a lot of fun things. You can teach your dog how to ride a skateboard. You can teach your dog how to roll up in a blanket and put itself to bed. And you can just do simple things like shake and high five if you don't want to do a lot. It's just it's just something fun to do with your dogs. And it makes people laugh and it makes people smile. And gosh, don't we all need to laugh and smile more? Absolutely, especially now. Yeah. And, you know, with, with Scud, we were part of Project Mickey, which is a... Um, program with the Baltimore city schools where you teach humane education to some of the underserved children who might need to understand how to interact with animals and treat them kindly and, and, you know, positive training and stuff. So when, you know, and there's certain curriculum to it. So some of the dogs they use would be good for like introductions and so Riff Raff was good for introductions because he was a very calm dog. And you, you know, the kids learn how to ask permission before they're to touch a dog and everything. And then, you know, we had some other people do like care, like proper care and stuff. And so 
Scuttlebutt would go in and do tricks. And so we'd go into these classrooms and some of these kids that didn't want to interact at all in the beginning, the transformation of some of these, some of the boys that would be like sitting back like, nah, I don't want to do any of this stuff. And she would start doing some tricks with her and they would be like, oh, can I, can I try that? And we'd be like, yeah, come on up. And, you know, they'd hold the hoop and she'd jump through the hoop or she'd jump on their back and they're starting to bring out their iPhones and take pictures. And it's so, it's so cool to watch the transformation of the kids to going from like, this is stupid to like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. It's, it's a, it's a great feeling. And, and all we're doing is just the tricks that we've practiced at home and, you know, we're doing it with these kids and the kids are learning how to do it. And it's, it's a great feeling. I love it. I, I love seeing those photos. I'm, I'm sure you miss it right now. I do. In fact, I just posted something on Facebook. I think there was a memory that popped up and it was Scud ringing the bell and you could hear the kids in the background. And I'm like, gosh, I just, I miss not being there. And I think the kids, the kids right now are missing so much, not only with the animals and stuff, but it's just, it's been tough on everybody. Tricks are just not for tricks. They're for bringing happiness to people and interaction with and bringing out the best. And even at the, even at the nursing homes, I mean, when you have a dog wave at a person in a bed that can't pet the dog, ugh, the feeling that you get when that person smiles or kind of lets out a, a, a little, ooh, it's, it makes you feel good. That's right. You and your mom were actually both doing volunteering at nursing homes, right? We were. Yeah. My mom, believe it or not, my mom started out first, uh, getting her dog therapy certified. So her little dog and my mom in her late seventies visiting nursing homes back in West Virginia. And they would make the rounds like once, uh, once a week, once every other week. Um, she was doing a, a lot for a while before she moved down here. And then she moved down here and we both got certified through Wags for Hope. And I did riffraff and she had her dog, Sweet Pea, and then her other little dog that she adopted called Little John. And um, we visited some together and it was, you know, it, it's tough because after you leave those places, you walk out and you kind of want to cry, but at the same time, you realize how much joy that you bring to these people. And I don't know if I can say this yet, so you may have to edit it out, <laughs> but Animal Farm Foundation is doing a program and they're asking for volunteers because they're going to start doing Zoom therapy visits. And we're hoping that Scud and I will be accepted. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So Scud and I might become a a team for some nursing homes that are, that are, you know, hoping to do some zoom visits. Oh, awesome. I hope that works out. Yeah, me too. Kind of excited. <laughs> and then people also might recognize Scud and Juji from your appearances on QVC. Is that correct? Yeah. So Juji's never been to QVC because oh, okay. Juji much like snorkel loves people too much. So she would probably kiss them to death as well. But we have done Riff Raff. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Riff Raff and Scud have been to QVC and been on live TV. Our first thing was we helped sell dog beds. You know, Riff and Scud were on there together. And it was pretty fun. Like, I didn't, I didn't actually go on with them. Right. It was kind of like I, I stood in the background and, you know, Riff got up at one point and started walking around. I'm like, down, down, down. So I'm trying to like be very quiet. And Scud actually stayed in the bed that she was modeling pretty well. And then we went back and we've done two, two to three times with a, a woman who's created this harness leash which works really well for like shelters and um, transport people because it's a it's a harness leash that the dog can't back out of. It's pretty, and I don't, you know, I try not to say anything's one hundred percent proof that it's not going to fail. But this thing's pretty solid, and the dogs cannot back out of 
this contraption and it's really, it's a really nice product. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And she offers discounts too. It's called Harness Lead. Look it up if you're from the shelter or a rescue group and it works great on transports. And then Scud and Riff Raff went up with our friend Nikki as well because she's been up there a lot with her dog Flirt and Kiba. But we went up and we did like this all day thing on um, the Bissell, the Bark Bissell. It's a Bissell shampooer, you know, that you do carpet cleaners with. Right. But it also switches over to a dog cleaner, if you can believe that. It's pretty nifty. Oh. Yeah. And um, and Scud and Riff Raff, right before the COVID shutdown kind of happened, that was our last time up there in the middle of March. So they've done that. And you were part of a top secret project that I know you can't quite talk about who it was for, but you're actually, your dog is going to be part of a national ad campaign, right? She is. So Scuttlebutt and I in February of this year, and again, right before COVID, we went down with some other trainers from the Maryland area. There were a couple of dogs and we did filming at Universal Studios. And, you know, when I, when she got picked for this, I was thinking Universal Studios, we're going to be in this closed set place. This is her first time for like a big national commercial type thing. I'm like, we can do this. But when I get there, okay, so Universal Studios is like the theme park where we're going first of all i'm like uh okay and then they put us apparently the company and i can't say the company's name i want to so bad but we've been sworn to secrecy um you guys know it it's a big company it does a lot of business anyways they rented a street in the park right next to like the transformers ride and like right in the middle of everywhere and talk about like talk about distractions because right like the park is open there's people everywhere but it's just you guys have this one area that's like closed (laughs) off but like everything else is still going on around you yes and and mardi gras was going on so they had like mardi gras go down there goes for like a month but they had the mardi gras tents across the street probably within i don't know 10 feet 15 feet of where we were filming and they would open up at three o'clock every day with food. So that was another distraction on top of <laughs> the bands, the parades, the Belushi brothers coming through singing. I mean, it was Wow. Talk about baptism by fire. Holy cow. It was crazy. I mean, that would give me anxiety as a person, much <laughs> less being a dog. It was crazy. We got to we, we got to sneak away for a little bit. We took them and walked them around and we took the dogs into Harry Potter world with everybody. And it was, it was, let me tell you, even if the, I don't know, the commercial should air. It's just, it was filmed, you know, pre pandemic and, you know, post pandemic is going to look a little differently, but it was such a great experience and, I'm so glad I got to do it. And we had a really good time and Scud did really well. I was very proud of her. And yeah, it was just, it was just great. We drove down to Florida and took a, took a week's vacation with it. And, you know, we had to be on set every day at 5 a.m. And we wrapped up filming like at eh, almost like around 5 to 6 p.m. each night. It was three days of filming. It was pretty cool. They had, you know, an animal protection agent there to make sure they were treating the animals fairly and you know everything you hear about like action and cut and all those set terms well they actually do say all that stuff on sets it's pretty cool do they have like that clapboard thing yeah they had the clapboard thing (laughs) and uh they had like the you know the the cameras and everything on rails and like the camera would be right in front of the dog's face and i mean just crazy stressful but crazy stressful fun too so it was a great experience i really hope the commercials air i think they did they did a lot of print stuff too so maybe some of the print ad will come out i don't know we'll have to wait and see 
so when when it does, I'll be I'll be the first to be putting it out there that we're that we're there. But I think that's so cool. I was so excited for you guys. Yeah, I was too. It was a lot of fun. You have definitely done like all the coolest things. <laughs> well, you know, again, the things I've done for with my dog, dogs, I should say. You know, just doing fun things and the things that my dogs have allowed me to do. I would have never have done any of these fun things if it weren't for them. So. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Di. Uh, it's been great. I really appreciate you uh, having me on and letting me talk about the fun times that I've had and my, my journey and how thankful I am to have these guys take me through the journey and be part of my life. Isn't it funny how, I, I think we should thank dogs for letting us be a part of their lives because our lives wouldn't be as full as they are without them. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Sometimes I think it took dogs to make me more human, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, and that, I, I, I totally think that they teach us so much more than we ever realize and they give us so much more than we ever realize and i think without them we'd all be lost so if you're if you're listening to this and you don't have a dog give it a chance because wow they make a difference trust me you enjoyed this interview with Diana Madison. First things first, I wanted to mention that of course Di and her dog Riff Raff were accepted into the online therapy dog program that Di mentioned. This is called Pets Together through Animal Farm Foundation and I will put a link in the show notes in case you're interested in finding out more about this. The Pets Together program is actively recruiting more volunteers. They've had such a great response to doing these online therapy dog visits with long-term care facilities around the country. So if that's something that you and your dog are interested in, make sure you click the link in the show notes to find out more about Pets Together. You know, one of the things I do in the course of making the podcast is I go back and I'm editing the podcast to make it sound better and I'm going through and I'm listening to it again so that I can write notes and record these introduction and conclusion portions of the podcast. And sometimes when I'm listening back, I'll realize that there were these like topics or these themes that were touched on in the conversation and that I wish I had taken a moment maybe to like expand on the bigger point or topic in the actual interview. So I'm going to share with you now three of the big points that I hope you take away from my conversation with Di. The first is about choosing the right dog for your family. Di is actually now the third professional dog trainer who I've interviewed on the podcast. We had episode five with John Frank and then episode nine with Dr. Zazie Todd. And a point that both John and Zazie Todd brought up in their interviews was the importance of choosing the right dog for your family. I think there are a lot of dog trainers who are getting calls from families in distress, and at the root cause of all the problems is really that maybe the family didn't choose the best dog to fit their household or their lifestyle. And here I thought Di and her husband Bob were such awesome examples of the fact that they purposely chose dogs with high energy, with Snorkel, with Juju, with Scuttlebutt. They are choosing dogs that have high energy because they have the time and the dedication and have created this lifestyle where they have all these awesome outlets for the dog's energy. They have all this property, they're doing all kinds of training and activities with their dogs because if your dog has energy and it doesn't come out in a positive way, it's going to come out in a destructive way. Which brings me to the second point I wanted to bring up about the role and the purpose of dog training in your life and your dog's life. It's really interesting. I think at some point I thought that dog training was like a chore or this thing that you had to do. 
And I really love Dai's message of just having fun with your dog, of building the connection, really creating a beautiful bond with your dog. And to look at training opportunities or dog sports and dog activities as a way to celebrate and be excited about the things you get to do with your dog and not like this chore or obedience class or thing that you have to do. That it's an opportunity to build this beautiful bond and communicate with an animal of another species. I've realized that Penny and I have developed our own little shorthand communication Penny loves nothing more in the world than going for a car ride. She loves food. Believe me, she loves food. But she will walk away from a bowl of food if she thinks that she can get to go for a car ride. And she's been especially spoiled during this last several weeks of the quarantine because pretty much any time that I'm going anywhere, I'm taking her to the vet or I'm just going on a field trip to a drive through pharmacy or Starbucks or something somewhere where she can get to go with me. So she's super spoiled right now that she thinks she gets to go with me anytime I grab my keys. But we have this little hand signal gesture that I do for when she doesn't get to go with me. And sometimes I feel bad using it because she'll get all excited and then she'll all of a sudden just stop like oh I don't get to go this time and I kind of feel bad but I also think it's really cool that we have like our own communication without words where she knows exactly what to do and what to expect and I think that that gives dogs a lot of security I think a lot of dogs like the routine they like knowing what to expect and I think that that's another important reason you know to have training a good training relationship with your dog is so it helps them know what to expect and so I hope we can all take a cue from Dai and just look at training as an opportunity to have fun with our dog and build the relationship. And then the third point that Dai and I did touch on a little bit, but I also just wanted to mention again, was the idea that so many of us pit bull owners have about the fact that we have to have the best behaved dogs, the most well behaved dogs, that our dogs are always an example of pit bulls and we don't want to give anyone a reason to negatively judge our dog or the whole breed because we're always looking at our dog as an example an ambassador on behalf of the breed and i'm using the term breed here generally because i could go into a whole tangent about why there isn't even really a breed called pit bull so i'm just using pit bull here in sort of the generic sense of the dogs that you see with big blocky heads and broad chests and short fur but many of the pit bull owners who i know including myself we sort of have this responsibility that we put on ourselves that we can't let our dogs behave poorly because it will somehow be a reflection negatively on all dogs who look like our dogs, and we don't want that. And I guess I'm always curious if people who have other dogs, you know, whether it's a Yorkie or a Lab or a Corgi, I guess they just don't have to worry about those kinds of things, or, or do they? I don't know. But it's just so interesting to me that the people who I meet are the people who are so concerned about wanting to make sure that our dogs are proper ambassadors for all dogs that look like our dogs. So I'm going to have lots of links for you today in the show notes and on social media. Dai is involved with so many different cool organizations and I'm going to try to put links to all of them and I hope you will also check out Snorkel's Way Adaptive Dog Training. Make sure you follow her on Facebook, on Instagram. She's always posting fun videos of tricks that she's teaching her dogs and having them in your social media feed will definitely brighten up your day. And if you are interested in learning to do some tricks with your dog and building more of a fun bond and connection with your dog, make sure you sign up for the online trick training classes that Dai is offering right now through Snorkel's Way Adaptive Dog Training. And then again, I hope that you will find our Pandemic Pets Daily Gratitude Challenge Facebook group. It has been this really awesome and supportive group of people who are all loving on each other's pet photos each day as we try to find these moments of joy and gratitude even in these difficult times. I hope that you will find us and check us out and also start finding one moment a day of joy that your dogs are bringing you and, and sharing it with all of us so that we can have that smile and that joy too. So that's it for this episode of the Believe in Dog podcast. 
thank you to all the people who have taken the time to leave a five-star rating or review on iTunes. I'll make sure to put links so that you can do that. All of your support means so much to me and really helps more people find out about the podcast. If you like this episode, I hope that you will share it with a friend or tell a friend or share it on social media. Make sure to check out the Facebook and Instagram photo albums for this episode. There are so many cool pictures of Di and all the fun things that she's doing with her dogs. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe in Dog podcast. And this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. <laughs>